Most reductions are an affront to God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like sometimes they have to get done. It's like taking out a tumor or something. Yeah, a sexy tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that was Come On, Feel The Noise by Quiet Riot, and today we're going to be talking about riots, quiet or otherwise. <laughs> my name is Morgan, and I am joined, as always, by a couple of guys you wouldn't want near you in a riot, Lachlan. G'day, g'day. And Brad. Hello. I say that because neither of them have any issue killing a person or stealing something <laughs> when they feel like they could get away with it. That's true facts, go listen to season two. How are we today, guys? Yeah, good, good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm angry, mindlessly, facelessly angry. <laughs> Just feel like smashing some shop That's windows right. and flipping over some cars. Destroy some stuff that uh, the owners of which have nothing to do with why I'm angry. Mm. <laughs> yes, well, this episode, is, this episode is definitely going to be a riot. So, um, <laughs> before we get into it, Lucky, do you want to crack open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. Alright, this week I have a free organic lager uh, from the Free Brewing Company. It is a full strength. How much did it cost? Uh, <laughs> it was free, actually. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Once again, new beer at work, I get to taste it for free. Um, uh, nice. It's actually, it's uh, it's a local to us. It's from Port Arlington down on the Ballerine Peninsula. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, 1.2 standard drinks. Very proud that they are independent. In fact, they are certified independent. But uh, 99% sugar-free, preservative-free, additive-free, apparently ego-free. I don't know what that means. But oh, that's annoying. It's a lager, so I'll probably like it. Ooh. Yeah, can't go wrong with the lager. It's a can. Good snap. Oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. It is uh, actually ice cold. I must have accidentally turned up the setting on our fridge. Like well, good, the best like cold, cold beer is but that could be a close second. Um, all right, so we're going to be talking about riots today and our resident... Uh, psychologist Bradley, who has two thirds of a psychology degree, is going to give us two thirds of an explanation <laughs> of the psychology behind riots. I'd like so, to without point further ado, two thirds and a half. Okay, <laughs> that's not that's not how fractions work. Uh, and don't I know it? Uh, no, obviously not. <laughs> yeah, he's got one and one sixth of a degree. Yeah, perfect. Two thirds and a half. Nice. Um, that's that's anyway. not one and one sixth. Is it? No, it's five sixths. For fuck's sake, you're meant to be the genius robot <laughs> fucking math guy. No, it's not. <laughs> two, thirds, two thirds. Two thirds and a half yeah. is five sixths. No, two thirds plus a half. Two thirds is four sixths. A half is three sixths, so it's seven sixths. No, one and he, one sixth. he doesn't. That's not what he means. He doesn't mean two thirds of a degree two, and half yeah, a degree. Uh, yeah, okay. He meant two thirds and then halfway towards the full degree. He meant from two thirds. No, that's not. Uh, yeah, so five sixths. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funnier if I say seven sixths because fucking, that doesn't make sense. It's a stupid thing. Out roboted the robot. <laughs> that was beautiful. No, you just didn't get what I was doing. My stupid I don't joke. think you, you got guys what are you fighting. Were doing. Fight. 
No, right. my brain was right. too powerful. Right. I added two thirds of a degree with <laughs> one half of a degree. Oh, shit. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, Brad. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I looked into the psychology of riots and how an individual can be influenced by a crowd. Mm-hmm. And it appears that there's no real consensus on what is actually happening on, on an individual or social level. Yeah, sounds like right. psychology. All right. Yep. Good explanation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there are several prominent theories. Yeah, okay. Take a swim. Okay, so the first one I came across was the de-individuation theory, which posits that in typical crowd situations of anonymity, group unity and arousal weaken the individual's personal control. And arousal, you say? Mm, yes. Uh, so this applies to orgies as well, then? Yes. And by distancing themselves <laughs> from their personal identities and the moral and ethical judgment of society at large, the individual can engage in antisocial behaviour. Um, so that would be something along the lines of the crowd is doing it and I can get away with it, so I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. That, that's, following the crowd. Yeah. So that's basically the de-individuation theory. Our second theory is that of convergence. Uh, it theorizes that antisocial behavior is not a product of the crowd itself, but rather the gathering of like-minded individuals uh, can lead to a feedback loop of sorts that reinforces and intensifies the group's oh, actions. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that better. That makes more that sense makes to sense. me. Well, That's good. Uh, the best way I found this described was, and I quote, an individual in a crowd behaves just as he would behave alone, only more so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we've discussed it previously, but this could be something akin to those filthy fucking furries at Rainforest 2013, <laughs> 2015. So degenerate behaviors reinforced and intensified uh, equals more degenerate behaviors, and boom, grown men shitting in diapers and fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like an echo chamber. They just reinforce their own mm. ideas. Yeah. So but it happens really quickly because you think of echo chambers, it's usually online and they've got like a Facebook group or a, a website or a Reddit or something. It's usually Tumblr, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before so they got rid of the porn. When it's in person, one person does something that does something a little more extreme and then everybody rises to match yeah. that person's yeah. Yeah. escalation. Then, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that, that's convergence. Uh, the third prominent theory is that of the emergent norm theory. This states that uh, the, so- the social norms form from within the crowd itself. This theory is excellent for addressing the issue of difference in social backgrounds as the crowd has little to no unity at the outset, rather unifies under key members and their actions. Um, so with little to no negative response from the crowd, these actions provide a tacit approval of their legitimacy. Mm. Um, and as people are creatures of conformity, they fall in line to this perceived legitimacy. No, nah, I like the uh, second one better. Riders are bad people yeah. to start with. <laughs> As everything, as everything in the social sciences, the one that sounds the most correct is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've still got one more after this one. But this theory oh, okay. oh, really? also allows uh, for positive mobs rather than just antisocial mobs. Uh, the best yeah. way I could think yeah. of describing this is how uh, often cowardly Antifa scumbags will infiltrate, <laughs> infiltrate a protest as Antifa leaders rally followers uninitiated people begin to follow their lead, leading to widespread violence and vandalism. Antifa is a domestic terrorist organisation. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's the emergent norm theory. Um, And the final theory is that... So, is it... Could could we say that number three, emergent... Norm. Theory. That one is the few bad apples spoil the bunch theory? Yeah, basically. I think that would be a... Yeah, pretty pretty concise way of putting (laughs) it. Um, Good. And the final theory is that of the social identity theory. 
This states that individuals are concerned primarily with membership or non-membership of various social groups, and that membership is most salient at the time any action is taken. Essentially, every crowd is made up of people consisting of different backgrounds, races, genders, but at the same time, they all find themselves related to some identifiable group, uh, i.e. a political party or a religion. Or a sports team. Or a sports nah, team. I still yeah. like number two. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> as that is the primary group that they are in at the time, their values and actions dictate the group group's actions. So, as best I can tell, it seems like the individual's personal beliefs are irrelevant as they are superseded by the group to which they ascribe membership to. Mm. So, you wouldn't um, act the same way you would act at, say, like a football game as you would, you know, when you're at church. Two different groups, you're ascribing yourself a membership of both of those things. You might be, you know, a perfect saint on Sundays, but then you go to the football on Saturday night and you crack someone's fucking skull. Yeah. Lady in the streets freaking the sheets. That's probably compatible with the second theory, actually. They're all just like slight variations on each other, but they're the sort of the four more prominent theories that. Um, all right. Well, of- thanks for Brad's power rankings of uh, psychological <laughs> theories. I should have played the jingle at the start. No, Sorry, I- I'll edit it in in post. I, re- I really like the fourth one as well, and I think people can be at their best in groups, but they're most often at their worst in groups. Yes. And I think like when you lose your sense of individuality, you start thinking, oh, I can get away with this or I can get away with that. And I think, not to get all political, but the idea of communism is that if we all form one group, then we'll all make each other better and we'll all rise up. Mm-hmm. But more than more often than not, the opposite happens where one person starts slacking off so everybody else slacks off. It's not they look at that guy who's working hard and they say, oh, I'll rise to the challenge and I'll work as hard as him. It's more or those guys aren't trying anymore. What's the point of me trying? And it just uh-huh. you get that feedback loop, but it's a spiral downwards instead of a spiral, spiral upwards, upwards like it's yep. supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, that. I'm sorry if that was boring. It was a lot of reading. No, I like it. No, it was very interesting. Theories. It did a good job. Good job condensing the information. Yeah, I tried not to make it sound as lame as it fucking felt reading it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I like the second one as well. The theory of convergence, the feedback loop. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty spot on. Especially, uh, yeah, because of fairies and rain first. I was just like, oh, <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Yeah, you were just like confirmed, confirmed. Yeah, it, I think that's your case study right there. Um, God, that was awful. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of <laughs> people making each other worse, Lachlan, do you want to tell us all about the LA riots? <laughs> oh, I do. So, the LA riots is like the, uh, when you think of a riot, this is like the the big daddy, the big enchilada. This is mm. the prime this example is the riot. of a This mm. is the riot. This Epitome. is the champion. So, oh, good God, Brad. <laughs> Brad, you can't say that. Yeah, oh, not, yet, not, oh. not yet, anyway. I haven't gotten to that part in my notes yet. Uh. <laughs> Cut that out. So, so, on March 3rd, 1991, four LAPD officers beat the living shit out of Rodney King while 18 other law officers watched. King was no saint, to be sure. He had just led officers in a high-speed chase after failing to pull over after two California Highway Patrol officers observed him speeding. He didn't pull over because he was drunk, and a drunk driving charge would violate his parole for a previous robbery conviction. Nevertheless, Mm. the brutal and excessive force the police used against King after they finally got him out of his car was unwarranted. 
We know it was brutal and excessive, not just because of the numerous bone breaks and fractures, including 11 in his skull alone, but Ooh. also because the whole beating was captured on video by George Holiday, a man living in an apartment near where the incident occurred. On March 5th, Holiday called the LAPD to tell them about the video. Somewhat surprisingly, he was not found dead the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody at the LAPD was interested in seeing the tape, so Holiday took it to a local TV station, KTLA. Oof. They cut the first 10 seconds of the clip that showed King resisting arrest and aired the rest that day. The public saw an unarmed black man being savagely beaten by four white police officers for seemingly no reason. Racial tensions were already high in Los Angeles. They had been simmering since the 60s, and this was going to be enough to make them boil over. I want to make it clear that I firmly believe what the LAPD did to Rodney King is disgustingly wrong, but so is what the media did. They cut the video to take advantage of the racial climate, knowing full well the kind of reaction it would get. They intentionally made it look like Rodney King was the poor innocent victim rather than the lesser of two evils. If this situation was a bomb, the media lit the fuse. This isn't what started the LA riots though. It wasn't until over a year later that the bomb went off. As a result of the footage of King being mercilessly tased and batoned, the Los Angeles County District Attorney charged the four officers with assault and use of excessive force, and the trial was held in April of 1992. On April 29th, after seven days of deliberation, the predominantly white jury acquitted all four officers of assault and three of the four of use of excessive force. The verdict was given at 3.15pm. Half an hour later, more than 300 people were outside the courthouse protesting the verdict. Just a couple of hours after that, Los Angeles would be on fire. (laughs) Around 5.30pm, two LAPD officers put out a call for assistance in apprehending 16-year-old... Shondell Daniels, who had thrown a rock at their cruiser. Oh, no. Two dozen officers arrived at the scene to arrest the teenager. And as he was forced into the back of a police car, the growing crowd began berating the officers and started to encircle them. One officer had his flashlight stolen from his belt, and the lieutenant on the scene immediately ordered all officers out of the area, worried blood was about to be spilled. Basically, he thought... If he lost control of those officers, they would just slaughter everyone there, which gives you a good idea of uh, the state of the LAPD in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Emboldened by the police retreat, the crowd started moving through South Central, quickly growing in numbers and anger. At approximately 6pm, a group of men broke the padlock and windows of a liquor store, which was then looted by over 100 people. The mob spread out over several blocks, stopping traffic and pulling white and Asian people out of their cars and throwing rocks at them. The looting and destruction continued into the night with minimal police response, which only encouraged others to join the riot because, of course, the whole thing was being broadcast live on TV. Mm. At 12.15am, so 15 minutes past midnight of the first day, the mayor signed a dusk-to-dawn curfew order. By the next morning, extensive looting and arson had moved from South Central to the rest of Los Angeles, which commanded a proper response from police. The LAPD, along with the National Guard, started closing roads and established defense lines around neighborhoods. But only some neighborhoods. 
the rich neighbourhoods, like Beverly Hills <laughs> and West Hollywood. The poor neighbourhoods, like South Central and most notably Koreatown, were completely abandoned by police, and all roads in and out were closed. I say Koreatown is notable, because relations between the black and Korean communities in LA were not good. Shortly after the Rodney King beating, a Korean shop owner had killed a black teenage girl, shooting her in the back of the head under the impression that she was stealing a bottle of orange juice. This, along with the fact that the police essentially funneled the black rioters into Koreatown, was a recipe for disaster. Korean shops were raided, looted, and burned to the ground. With police refusing to enter the area, the Koreans had no choice but to take the law into their own hands. Race war. (laughs) Pretty pretty much. I mean, it was already a race war, but, you know, the blacks were angry at the whites. Now they'd taken all the whites away- there was only one other race they could start attacking, mm-hmm. so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Many Korean immigrants had served in the Korean armed forces before coming to America, so had plenty of military experience and also many owned guns themselves. They formed armed security teams in order to protect their homes and businesses and were able to repel a large number of armed rioters as a result. One of the most well-known photos taken during the LA riots is of the now-famous roof Koreans Yes, on top of their (laughs) store armed with rifles. Despite this, around 45% of the total damage caused by the LA riots was suffered by Korean property. The riot went on like this for six days before eventually ending. Helped, of course, by the fact that President George Bush Sr. had signed an executive order invoking the Insurrection Act, allowing federal military forces to be deployed to to a U.S. city. In all, it took over 13,500 National Guardsmen, infantrymen, Marines, and other federal law enforcement officers, including the ATF and the DEA, as well as the entire LAPD to quell the riot which resulted in 12,111 arrests, 2,383 injuries, 63 deaths, and an estimated $1 billion in property damage. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. 12,000 arrests. Yeah. Shut down the city for a week. Surely, yeah, you just take them to like a- a sports arena or something and just be throwing people in the arena and locking the door. <laughs> like, you don't have that many fucking jail no. cells. That's crazy. It's the first time that the military has been deployed to a US city since um, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Ooh. In 1968. Mm. It's crazy. Because that's, that's a big deal. Like, it, it's essentially illegal for the president to deploy federal troops. Inside the US. Unconstitutional. Yeah, Yeah, unconstitutional. Yeah. So that's that's a very, very big deal. Wow. And it took a lot of them too. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you know how many residents there were in South Central? It would have been tens of thousands, right? Oh, easily tens of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have taken probably, yeah. Yeah. A fair few just just to quell that. Yeah. The, um, The last death that's attributed to the riots was on. Uh, the 5th of May, um, National Guardsmen shot and killed a man who tried to run them over at a roadblock. Oh. He just he just drove at him out of nowhere, I guess. He had a suicide wow. wish. Hmm. Yeah. 
there's some there's some great clips on YouTube about the LA riots because it was yeah. it's a while ago, but it was recent enough that a lot of it was filmed. Yeah, it was in the nineties, <laughs> so um, a lot of it's on on uh, tape. Yeah, you can see Korean shooting at people with like you know semi-auto rifles yeah. and stuff. You can see. There's even like I, I don't know if you saw this clip, Lachlan, but there's like a a video of a guy from the news who's like talking to people while they're holding yeah um, stuff that they've stolen, and yeah. he's like, "Why did you steal that?" And they're like, "Cause I want it." And yeah. they're just like, "Yeah, it's fucking." They're just like, "I can get away with it." I don't yeah, care. I'm yeah, that's it. right. That's right. I don't <sighs> like. I don't think if it was a legitimate, like I'm sure it started as legitimate anger about the Rodney King verdict, but. I don't think that could have fueled a riot for six days on its no. own. I think, I think, uh, you know, after maybe two days, it turned into just there's complete disorder. We can do whatever the fuck we want, so we're going to keep this going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you have the energy to riot for a week. Like, <laughs> yeah, the anger, the anger would subside after yeah, exactly. a short exactly. time, mm. and then you would just be doing it, you know, because you want free yep. stuff or you want to. Get in fights, or you want to yeah, exactly. You, you, know, you don't uh, want to go to work, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that, <laughs> but there's only so many TVs you can steal before you just like. Hmm. <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> the um the officers were actually retried. Uh, they were prosecuted by uh forget the the organisation, but like the at a federal level they were prosecuted and they were found guilty. Funnily enough, mm. wow. Do you think they were found guilty purely because of the LA riot? Like oh, that they had to be. Yeah, absolutely. Like- the first jury mm. said that their their verdict was based um, mostly around the first thirteen seconds of the video, mm-hmm. which showed uh, Ronnie King resisting arrest. And it's debatable. Some people say that it looks like he tried to hit one of the officers. I don't know if I believe that. Because I've seen it. I, I, I don't think it's clear enough to say for sure. But he definitely tried to run away. Um, what, it definitely doesn't justify how severely they beat him. Like, he, they, I don't know how he didn't die with mm. with how bad they beat the shit out of him. But um, I, I haven't seen it in, a like, a long time. Um, mm. How long are they beating him for, roughly, just if, off the top of your head? Uh, I mean, it was. I think the video itself goes for, like, four minutes. But they're not beating him the entire time, are they? Oh, most of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> if, that seems disproportionate for 10 yeah, seconds he, of resisting. Oh, it definitely. Like, even the fact that it was four of them beating him, mm. like, you know, once he's- He was in submission. Like, he wasn't- He was on the ground not moving, and they're, like- One of them stomped on his head. Like- Oh. Yeah, yeah okay. it's not necessary. No. Oh, it's hard to defend that. I don't know how they got off on that. It, that <laughs> video that video should be used as the textbook definition of excessive force. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you- yeah, but yeah, you're right about the the media loving to create like a a race riot in America. Oh, they love yeah, to play absolutely. up the racial tensions. It's like Absolutely. Good, that is that is good a- for clicks. Good yeah. for views. It's a prime example of fake news because it's it's real. It's something that actually happened, but they're showing you this very specific angle of it that makes it look like something that it's not. Well, I mean, yeah, it, 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 turning it into a, a narrative. Like if they yeah. if they had done the same thing with a white person, there wouldn't have been a racial angle to it. So no, it would have been right. like a story about how bad the cops are, but not a story about how racist the cops are. That's right. Exactly. And, 
Don't get me wrong. The cops absolutely were racist, but you know, <laughs> it. Um, but they, you know, the media did the same thing with that um, Trayvon Martin case, where oh yeah, there was a guy in Florida, George Zimmerman, who's a Hispanic guy. He's not even white. Yeah, and they called him. But white. they were. Yeah, they were saying he was white, and they lightened up photos. Yeah, of him. they were lightening the photos of him were, to make him look white. Yeah, yeah, and they were, if you know, if he was the victim of a white person, it would have been a hate crime against a Hispanic, Absolutely. but because he yeah. killed a black person. But they um, they did some really sneaky things in the um, reporting of that. Like one of them, I think NBC played a clip where he's talking on the phone to the police officer, mm. and then he says, um, "Yeah, he's wearing a hoodie." He's black. Yeah. And it sounds like he's just offering up the information he's black. But the person on the phone says, what race is he? What's his ethnicity? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's black. Yeah. So, it looks like he's offering that up as like, oh, you know, it's, it's bad because he's black. Mm. But he just, he was answering a question and yeah, they cut out right. the question to yeah. make it look like he was racist. Yeah. They, they, they just want to stir up this tension and mm-hmm. get more views and more clicks and stuff. Yeah. It's really- And it works. It works um, 100%. Yeah. I think- uh, oh, it, it definitely worked. People have to realize that the, the media- is not some altruistic not reporting vessel. Not. They're a business and clicks yep. equals money. And you see yep. that in pretty much every headline, regardless of whether it's, you know, trying to stir up racial tensions or not. It's every headline. So why would yeah, it be absolutely. any different for something like that? That's what I don't get when people see something yep. and they oh, okay, yeah, you know, just because it supports your, your point of view, Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that you should ignore the fact that it is a race baiting or it's yeah, any it's kind of headline bias. baiting. Yeah, exactly. So I think people, I think most people are pretty hip to it, but you know, a lot of yeah. people like the extreme fringes just are like, yeah, let's jump on this, try and stir up some shit. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's why I'm always shitting on journalists because there's no, there's no integrity oh. there. They just, they twist <laughs> oh, it, boy. they twist it to fit a narrative and they exploit it. <laughs> and uh, that's why you just don't pay attention to the mainstream media. So basically, it wasn't the cops' get fault; it was the media's fault. <laughs> get your LA news from us burned. instead. Like I said, it oh, was wow. like the cops did a very bad thing, but the oh, the media was the cause beat of the riot. The shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um, also, the to provide context, like you said, like there was tension between the uh, black and Korean uh-huh. populations, and this was only a year after Ice Cube released his famous song, one of his famous songs, "Black Korea," yeah. where he accuses the um, Korean store owners of uh, trying to turn South Central into Black Korea, <laughs> um, and like some sort of Korean gentrification. Or- yeah, they already didn't yeah. like each other mm. because there's a lot of cultural differences between Koreans and um, African-Americans, and it, it comes across to the black community as rude, but the Korean- Like, you know, one example is that Koreans won't put change into your hand. They'll throw it down on the counter because in Korea, it's rude to touch another person's hands. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the blacks are like, oh, you just fucking throw my money at me like you don't want to touch me. Like, they see it as rude. Disrespect to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of tension because of just plain cultural misunderstandings as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that um, it would have been fucking terrifying as a Korean oh, during absolutely. the LA riots. Just to have the police completely and utterly abandon you like that. Yep. Just to seal off, you know, your sections of the city and just be like, yep, all right. Um, That's the thing. You're on your own. <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't even leave. The the yeah. National Guard wouldn't let them out either. Like, no oh. one could come in, but they wouldn't let them out. They had to stay in Koreatown. 
It really seems yeah, like they, they just staged some sort of race war and they were like, all right, let's, when the dust settles, did. whatever's, whatever's remaining is the superior. That is absolutely what they did, Brad. Call Ugh. it a conspiracy, but they did this on purpose. Mm. They knew exactly what they were doing. They protected the rich white neighborhoods and they pitted the minorities against each other. Maybe the LA riots were actually like a side effect of MK Ultra or something. Just going haywire, <laughs> and then oh man, we need to get into MK Ultra one day because uh, people will not believe the evils that the US government have done to their own people. Yes, yep, yep, yes. Ugh. And um, of course, OJ Simpson was tried for double murder in Los Angeles, and that was shortly after. I think one, two years later. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think um, that potentially the reason he was let go even though he very clearly almost decapitated two people he murdered them so hard Um, (laughs) it's because the gloves didn't fit Uh, yeah the gloves don't fit Um, you have to acquit brother you have to acquit that's right Mm -hmm. there there was there were fears that if he was convicted there was going to be another race riot yeah black people were going to be angry again and riot again ally riot to electric boogaloo yeah exactly yes and of course, actually, the, uh, it's probably it's probably media. more like LA Riot to Judgment Day. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, you guys know that Judgment scene Day. in Terminator Two where uh, like the nuke goes off and everything just gets completely roasted, and yeah. like yeah. all the people just turn into skeletons. It would have been like that, mm. but for the Koreans, <laughs> probably it wouldn't have been that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what LA looks like now, anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say LA looks like it's never recovered from that riot. Brad, do you want to go next with your riot? Yes, yes, I do. And um, one's a little less recent than the uh, LA riots in the 90s. Oh, so. okay. No worries. Yeah. The Byzantine Empire. <laughs> a little mm-hmm. less recent. Yep. We've all heard of it. It's an offshoot of the once great Roman Empire that covered a large <laughs> part of Europe and even stretched into North Africa. The ride I've chosen today might be one of the bloodiest in history. Ooh. The Nika riot of Constantinople hey, in 532 hey. AD. Thank you, Blocker Lemming, for the suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, would temporarily topple an emperor and bring the empire's capital to its knees. To understand Ooh. how an entire city could turn on their emperor, you'll need some context. Many people have heard of a hippodrome. Uh, perhaps it's even been mentioned to you <laughs> in passing. Yes. But okay. for anyone who's unfamiliar, the Hippodrome was a cross between the Colosseum and a velodrome for cycling. For anyone who doesn't know what a velodrome is. Um, <laughs> used it's for a ge- cross between. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the only way I can describe it. It's, uh, it's a, a long... It's a racetrack. Yeah, it's a racetrack yeah, like inside a yeah. stadium. Used for yeah. charity ra- uh, chariot <laughs> racing, hippodromes were long U-shaped arenas. Some were even large That's enough to easiest, seat 100,000 people. Brad. Why didn't you just say that in the first place? Because anyone who knows what a Colosseum and a velodrome is going to picture it a lot better. Who the fuck knows what a velodrome is? Who doesn't? Oh, God, you <laughs> uncultured heathens. Um, anyway, could seat 100,000 people. Uh, it is believed that by this time in Byzantine history... There may have been as many as 180 hippodromes in use across the empire. To say that they are a large and significant part of Byzantine culture is not an understatement. Originally, four racing teams were established. And 
I, it sounds so lame, but they were actually just named after colors. The whites, the greens, the blues, and the reds. Each color drew fanatical worship from their fans. So just imagine any Philadelphia sporting team's fans, but on <laughs> steroids. Um, however, by 532 AD, the blues and the greens were the only two significant teams involved in chariot racing, having beaten out the reds and the whites. Such was the importance of racing teams that they played a part in politics. People chose their racing team, often based on social or political groups, and violence broke out in the street over races. It's just people would beat each other to death over a race. <laughs> so, like Philadelphia fans. Um, <laughs> into They're fanatical this, people. They are. And they love to vomit on kids. They're very passionate about <laughs> their sports That's teams. a true story. Um so into this tinderbox of gang warfare uh, entered Justinian I. Five years into his reign as emperor of the Byzantine Empire, a self-declared blue guy. Immediately, he had drawn the ire of half his population just by picking the blue team. But not content with just half, Justinian's wife, Theodora, started essentially talking shit to all the senators. And immediately after that, Justinian himself imposed huge taxes across the nation. Um, and we're talking Whoa. upper and lower class. So, yep. Sounds like time for a revolution to me. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, not sounding good. Um, so, anyway, Justinian is hated by the Greens as well as both the upper and lower classes for his taxes, and Empress Theodora is universally despised for just being a bitch in general. Um, <laughs> so, all the pieces were in place. The city just needed a spark to ignite real, them. Real regular Bill and Hillary these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They killed those people. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Google Justinian kill this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have information that's relevant to the arrest of Justinian the Fifth. Uh, so anyway, the, the spark would come on the 10th of January, 532 AD. Several days beforehand, two men were arrested for gang violence, and by gang violence, murder. Um, by the urban prefecture. <laughs> the ultimate form of violence. Yes. Uh, urban prefecture, which is basically they're just like police, but with like swords and shit, you know. Um, so one was a blue guy and one was a green guy. The men were sentenced to be hung on the 10th, and as they were actually literally hanged. being hung, like hanged. Hanged. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, they were sentenced to be hanged on the 10th, and as they were literally being hung. Hanged. Uh, the scaffolding broke. <laughs> Isn't is hung a word or not? Because I'm confused. Hung is, was, but when you when someone is hanged to death, they are like it's. It sounds okay. stupid, but it's just the technically correct way to say. All right. Well, as they were literally definitely hanging, worth interrupting Brad for. Yeah. yeah. As they were hanging, the scaffolding broke. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the crowd saw it as a sign from God, and the men were whisked away by local monks. Unwilling to inflame the situation any further, the urban prefecture refused to storm the Church of St. Lawrence. It's probably a good decision. This was the first win for the mob and a unifying one at that. Justinian was informed of the bungled execution and declared that the men would be executed, but a chariot race would take part on the 13th uh, to placate the mob. Seemingly (laughs) appeased, everyone dissipated and Justinian probably breathed the sigh of relief. Little did he know... It was merely the calm before the storm. The 13th came and some 100,000 people filled the Hippodrome to watch the 24 races scheduled for that day. What's the Hippodrome? Shut up. (laughs) 
In secret, leaders of the blue and green had united in a plan to topple the emperor that fateful day. Conspiracy. In the middle of the 22nd race of the day, a chant begun. Nika, Greek for win or conquer. The entire crowd continued to chant in unison before bursting out of the Hippodrome and laying siege to the adjacent palace. Justinian, Theodore, and several loyal senators took refuge inside, deciding on whether they should stay or flee the capital. Over the next five days, Constantinople would burn. Half the city was destroyed, including the famous Hagia Sophia. The mob burst into the Praetorium, which is kind of like a prison, killing all inside and freeing the men set to be executed. Flavius Hippatius, Hippatius, a former commander of the Eastern Army, was dragged from his house as a replacement for the emperor, literally against his will. He's like, I don't want to be a part of this. And they picked (laughs) him up and took him to the Hippodrome. Um, As the city burned, Justinian and his senators had all but given up hope and were planning to abandon the throne. But for a last-minute speech from Theodora, and I quote, My lords, the present occasion is too serious to allow me to follow the convention that a woman should not speak in a man's council. <laughs> Those yeah, she sounds like a bitch. are threatened by extreme danger should think only of the wisest course of action, not of conventions. In my opinion, flight is not the right course even if it should bring us to safety. It is impossible for a person, having been born into this world, not to die. But for one who has reigned, it is intolerable to be a fugitive. May I never be deprived of this purple robe, and may I never see the day when those who meet me do not call me Empress. What a fucking cunt. Yes. Sounds very entitled. Yes. Bolstered by her words, Justinian hatched a plan to turn the tide. Justinian entrusted a well-liked eunuch... So that's someone without their balls, <laughs> but with their penis. Um, Narses to be his mouthpiece and sent him into the Hippodrome alone with a bag of gold. Narses immediately set about trying to divide the factions, reminding the blue faction that the emperor favoured them. When this was unsuccessful, he reminded them that Flavius Hippati- Hippatius was chosen by the green faction without consulting them. Oh, see, even now, trying to create tension between mm-hmm. two uh, communities. Fake news. <laughs> two groups, two color groups. Yep. Evidently, <laughs> this was enough to convince the blue leaders to part, uh, and sorry, and partway through Hippatius's coronation, the blue faction abandoned the Hippodrome. Just, just walked out. <laughs> I mentioned that this was a bloody riot, though, and up until this point, only a couple of hundred soldiers in urban prefecture had died. Bloody yes but not the bloodbath I promised. Oh, boy. The second part of Justinian's plan involved Thracian and Gothic units that had made their way to the capital after six days of rioting. The soldiers advanced on the Hippodrome, and as the blue faction left, they made their way into the arena through every entry point. What followed was an absolute bloodbath. Some thirty to 35,000 people were massacred. Jesus Christ. The Royal Guard, Thracian, and Gothic units cut ribbons through the poorly armed Green faction. It is described as having only taken minutes. Such was the efficiency with which oh they bottlenecked and killed God. rioters. Justinian oh ordered them to sh- ordered them to show no quarter, and when everyone was dead, by the senators and Hypatius, he had them executed publicly. As a sign of his strength, Justinian had the Hagia Sophia rebuilt for the third time in its history. <laughs> and it still stands today in Istanbul. 
Justinian went on to be possibly the greatest emperor in Byzantine, uh, the Byzantine Empire has ever had, leading a huge military campaign that saw the empire grow to its peak size, dying at the age of 83, having ruled for 38 years. Wow. And that is the story of the Nika riots. Got to break a few eggs if you want to make an omelette. About 35,000. <laughs> it's a big omelette. Mm. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, um, um, that's, that's a, a bit of a dick move. Oh, that's dick move by the blue team to just leave and then <laughs> <laughs> all the greens get slaughtered. They got paid off by a dude with no balls, literally. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they just pieced out. They they were literally in the middle of coronating a new emperor, and they went, "See ya, see ya, see ya." <laughs> this sounds like some sort of Game of Thrones shit. This is why we need to stop making um, TV shows and movies about. Fake stuff from fantasy yeah, make land. Real life. Start making real shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like mean, Chernobyl. Nika Riots. Nika Riots, yeah. Next next HBO special miniseries. Let's do it. I don't That'd think there was nearly, sick, as much, uh, nearly as much fucking in the Nika Riots, though, so it's kind of sad. I'm sure there was. Oh, Those sure people were fucking sex crazy back then. Yeah, yeah. But fucking, yeah, what got me was just how quick that they did it. Like, they bottlenecked yeah, everyone into the U-shaped bend of the- Hippodrome, and they just yeah, just shoot fish them. in a barrel. Yeah, oh, minutes. That's how it's described. Stabbing greens oh. in their hippodrome. <laughs> Actually, yeah. That's I mean, if you goes. can, like, how fast can you swing a sword, really? Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you're like hitting multiple people with a swing, you can. This is this comes <laughs> just, down to like your uh, your maths on like dex out, per line, second. Line yeah, them up like, and skewer them. Yeah, exactly. Oh. oh god! Just I suppose if you if you just if you just decapitated everyone, like it's one yeah. swing and they're dead, you know. Yeah, but this is this is like in World War Two where the the Russians would just throw people at the yeah. German army, and the Germans were mowing them down with machine guns, mm. and then the Germans all had psychological problems because they were just like, I just killed like yeah. a hundred people killed in so two people. minutes. Like this is fucked up. Uh, to be fair, I think back like in it the, really uh, messed them up in the head to kill that many people that quickly because like before you know it, you've mass murdered a whole bunch of people. It's I don't think intense. I think Nazis had problems with uh, mass murder just between you and me. <laughs> I think I think back in those uh, prehistoric days, well, it's not really prehistoric <laughs> because we have we have history before history. What's the word I'm looking for? Ancient, ancient. Back in those ancient days, uh, <laughs> the value of human life was much less than it is today. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, people would die left oh, and yeah. right anyway. So, if you're a yeah. soldier, it's 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 no big deal to slaughter like three hundred <laughs> unarmed civilians by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a good afternoon out. I just want to note, like the cleanup involved in that as well, because it's like that's oh 30, yeah, they, thirty-five thousand bodies in it. Yeah, it's like a concentrated area, like a sandy path. Yeah, they didn't have; they only had buckets, so there's no like water pressure, so it would yeah. have had to all be scrubbed. Oh man! And they would have needed to move thirty-five thousand bodies out of the hippodrome. Ugh. Just that's, left the lions a, in there. That's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> they're not like goats, yeah, you, man. You don't put them in there to clean up the lawn. Actually, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like T-Rexes. They want live prey, don't they? Yeah, they exactly. should have just let the lions in there in the first place. Don't even use the, the <laughs> troops. How about your lions? Congratulations, luckily You just invented the gladiators. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Sounds fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, but fucking water riot. Oh, it's toppled an empire in like a day. It's yeah. pretty sick. Yeah, I actually looked into the Nika riots a lot before uh, landing on the 
LA riots, and uh, mm. it's quite interesting. It's pretty sick, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Empress. She's Theodora. Did, didn't she say it was something like uh, royalty would make a great funeral shroud or something like that? Yeah, I cut it wow. because the quote is quite what a long, cunt. she said. What a cunt. The end of her quote is, if you wish to save yourself, my lord, there is no difficulty. We are rich. Over there is the sea and yonder are the ships. Yet reflect for a moment whether when you have once escaped to a place of security, you would not gladly exchange such safety for death. As for me, I agree that the adage that the royal purple is the noblest shroud. So, like a death shroud. What a bitch. Wow. Sounds like um, fucking Mel Gibson ripped her off in Braveheart. <laughs> you know, if you're on freedom! your deathbed. Yeah, Mel many- Gibson was fighting for his freedom. Yeah. Theodora was just a fucking rich entitled bitch. <laughs> Doesn't he say, like, many years from now, if you if you run many years from now and you're on your deathbed wouldn't you trade all trade it all for one yeah, yeah, chance does. to come back here and fight yeah yeah god damn that's an awesome scene that is um mm. all right so i think it's time for me to uh tell us all about my favorite type of riot which is a sports riot oh. <laughs> so before you jump to any conclusions i'm not going to talk about 10 cent beer night or disco demolition night <laughs> i'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about riots related to sporting events, not promotional nights gone wrong. Mm. That could be another episode, in fact. Mm. Ten Cent Beer Night would uh, be a great episode. And Disco Demol- Demolition Night is hilarious as well. Right. Um, now, Americans love a good riot, and when they aren't rioting about race, they are rioting over sports <laughs> results. <laughs> Usually in celebration of a big victory, but sometimes also in frustration after losing. Canadians like to get involved too, especially in Montreal and Vancouver. Oh, do so they ever. I'm going to talk about specifically North American sports riots because I don't like soccer and I don't want to talk about soccer riots in Europe um, <laughs> or South America. So, I'm going to break this down by city increasing in severity. Oh. We have Vancouver. You've got the 1994 Vancouver riots after the Canucks lost Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals to the New York Rangers. The game was in New York, but that didn't stop Vancouver fans from descending upon the downtown area of Vancouver in a rage. It is estimated that up to 70,000 fans were in there, and shits really started kicking off when the police were trying to get through the crowd to help a man who had injured himself. The police were on bicycles, and a man tried to steal one of the policemen's bikes, (laughs) and the police got mad and started threatening the crowd leading to a big confrontation, which culminated in the police firing tear gas into the crowd. Into the, crowd. Mm. the crowd ran off in all directions and started smashing windows of stores. St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver stationed guards outside, and they told people who were suffering from the effects of tear gas that they were not to enter. Ooh. You just got to tough it out. Get shit off. <laughs> So, the damage caused by the riots was approximately 1.1 million Canadian dollars. But that is child's play compared to the 2011 Stanley Cup riots. Oh, yeah. When, again, Vancouver lost a Game 7. The main differences, though, this time was that the game was played in Vancouver and they were the favourites to win. Mm -hmm. So, they were all gearing up for a big celebration near Rogers Arena where the game was played. There are 100,000 fans gathered there to watch the game on big screens. But when it became clear that Vancouver was about to lose, some fans started throwing bottles, starting fistfights, and burning their hockey jerseys. And a few guys even flipped a car. Just one minute after the game finished, the overturned car was set on fire. 
it would be the first of many cars that night that was set alight. Another car nearby was set alight and firefighters quickly came to the scene and put it out. As soon as, as, soon as the fire was out, the fans set the car on fire again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cold. I think it was a good time for the firefighters to give up. They could clean up tomorrow, but they couldn't do much tonight. That night belonged to the maniacs. <laughs> 17 cars were burned, including two police cars. Shop front windows were smashed. Stores were looted. 101 people were arrested. Fortunately, no one died, but nine police officers were injured and 131 civilians were injured, including one person who was critically injured and four people who were stabbed. Oh. The total damage came to $5 million Canadian dollars. Jesus. Now, we'll stay, we'll stay Canadian with it and uh, <laughs> stick with hockey. In 1955, we had the Richard Riot in Montreal. <laughs> mm, I have a feeling I might know who this has to do with. So, the day is March 17, 1955, St. Patrick's Day. Maurice Rocket Richard mm. has just been suspended for the remainder of the regular season and any possible playoffs. The NHL president, Clarence Campbell, who delivered the suspension the day before, is in attendance at the Montreal Canadiens home game against Detroit. Oh, Probably not a, not a great idea. Not a great idea, no. The Montreal fans are pissed, and many are protesting outside the stadium. What started as a peaceful protest quickly turned into smashing windows and throwing chunks of ice at passing cars. <laughs> During the first period, fans throw eggs and other projectiles at Campbell. At the first intermission, with Detroit leading the game 4-1, one fan pretends to be a friend of the president and manages to get past his security. Oh, my God. <laughs> he reaches out his, his hand for Campbell to shake, but this is no peace offering. As Campbell tries to shake hands, the fan lands a devastating slap. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bitch slapped the president of the NHL. didn't even punch him, he slapped him. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Egged on by the crowd, metaphorically and perhaps literally, <laughs> the man then punches Campbell as well before he is taken by security. Oh. Shortly after, someone throws a tear gas bomb and Campbell is forced to seek refuge. The fire chief orders the stadium evacuated and the Canadian's GM agrees to call off the game, giving the win to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> As the crowd spills out onto the streets, the unruly fans inside the stadium join up with the unruly protesters outside the stadium, and the riot begins in earnest. Yay! <laughs> they smash store windows, attack random passersby, set fire to newsstands, flip cars, and looted and vandalized more than 50 stores. Oh. 37 people were injured. 12 of them police officers. The rioters did $100,000 worth of damage, which is equivalent to about a million dollars in today's money. Ooh. So, this one was uh, very interesting uh, because of the uh, tension in Montreal. Uh -huh. You know, they, uh, they, they saw themselves as the underdogs or the victims of um, the NHL mm. and their anglophone... Uh, you know, uh. <laughs> structure, people leading it. Fucking French Canada. So they weren't happy that their golden boy, uh, Richard, was uh, suspended. Are you, this and, this uh, was in he, the 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah, 55. Did he have to kill someone to get suspended? Because this is like ice hockey <laughs> in the 50s. Yeah. For, for that long well, a suspension, he must have killed someone on the ice. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, he murdered someone. <laughs> So what happened was, and you think, you know, the the fans to be this upset that he must have 
being suspended for something that wasn't really too bad. Mm. So I'll describe what happened. Oh, no. So there was a rough game against their rival Boston in Boston. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the Bruins high-sticked Richard (laughs) and blood started pouring out. So for those who don't watch hockey, that's when your stick comes up and hits someone else in the face, usually unintentionally. Um, But, you know, it was really bad. Blood started coming out and uh, he would later need five stitches to fix up the cut. Mm -hmm. So- Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Rashad was pissed off and skated over to the guy. The other guy dropped his gloves, ready to fight, thinking that Rashad wanted to fight him, but Rashad didn't want a bout of fisticuffs. He wanted to exact revenge. Oh, no. <laughs> he wanted an eye for an eye, almost literally. He hit the guy in the face with his stick. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, then the guy falls to the ice and Rashad starts hitting him in the body with the stick. Oh, God. The linesman comes over. <laughs> the linesman comes over to hold Rashad back, but Rashad breaks free from the linesman and starts hitting the guy again, this time breaking his stick because he hit the guy so hard. Oh, those are old school sticks. They're like solid wood. They're not like- Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. All right. Then the linesman comes over and grabs Rashad again. Rashad's not done, though. He turns around and punches the linesman <laughs> twice in the face and knocks him unconscious. Ah, uh, that's just good old-fashioned hockey. Oh, my. He should have been barred from the league. Like, if that happened now, he'd never play yeah, another game of hockey. Yeah, he'd be suspended for life. Holy he'd shit. He'd be suspended for life, for sure. So, yeah, he definitely deserved to be suspended then. Like, I don't know what Montreal's upset about. They should be yeah, uh, yeah. grateful that he even gets to play fucking hockey again. I mean, he was, like, what, one of the most prolific goal scorers of, in uh-huh. history. But yeah, the other the other funny thing is that Rashad was known as a, a goal scorer, but this particular season, 1955, he was leading the league in points as well. Oh. He was um he was up by a bit, and because of his suspension, he ended up losing the scoring title by one point. <laughs> and the guy who won the scoring title was another Montreal Canadiens player, and when he overtook. Rashad, yeah. he, when he got that extra point on the final game, the Montreal fans booed him because they wanted their hometown boy Rashad to get the <laughs> scoring title. You stay classy, okay, Montreal. Oh, so they booed their Quebec. own player when he they booed their own player when he scored a um, <laughs> a point to give him the scoring title. That's outrageous. Um, so Montreal fans rioted in celebration of their win in the 1986. Stanley Cup Finals over the Calgary Flames, causing $1 million in damage. Now, there isn't a lot of information available on this riot, so it must have been a pretty standard Montreal riot, just a (laughs) good night out for the Quebecois. But in 1993, Montreal fans would riot again after defeating the Los Angeles Kings in five games. This riot caused $2.5 million in damage, about $4 million in today's money, and at its height, 980 police officers were dispatched to deal with the crowd. Eight police cars were totally destroyed oh. and another 39 were damaged. Jesus Christ. Again, stores were looted, windows were smashed, and fires were set. 119 civilians were injured, as well as 49 police officers. This was their biggest riot. Thank God they haven't won another cup since. In fact, <laughs> fans- Fuck you, Montreal. Uh, They haven't come close, and in fact, fans have become so impatient waiting for them to win another cup that they actually start riots whenever they win a playoff series (laughs) now. Um, (laughs) And there's been a couple of mid-sized riots, one in 2008 after they defeated Boston in the first round 
of the finals. <laughs> Not that we get too excited that's about fucking ridiculous. And- in 2010, after a semi-final win. So, no, not even a conference final win. Um, so, God help Montreal if they ever win another cup. <laughs> oh, the whole city will right. burn. Quick one here. We got Detroit in 1990. The Detroit Pistons won the NBA championship and fans started vandalizing property and looting stores. Now, eight people were killed during this riot. Oh. Six people were run over by cars in three separate incidents. And one guy was shot dead, and another guy fell from a roof and died. Jesus. (laughs) Notable for eight people dying. Uh, 124 other people went to hospital due to injuries, of which 26 (laughs) of them were shot. (laughs) Oh, my God. Stay classy, uh, Detroit. And two of them were stabbed. Fucking what would have happened if they lost? <laughs> Fuck. Well, the interesting thing about this riot is that the Pistons actually won the championship the year before in 1989 as well, but there were no riots. Oh. Mm. So I can see that uh, Detroit is on the decline rather than the <laughs> incline. <laughs> that is. Been declining for a while. Yeah, Motor City. Um, and speaking of, we have Chicago. <laughs> now, the- <laughs> Call it by its proper name. Chirac. There we go. Uh, Now, the Chicago Bulls won the NBA championship six times in the 90s. Mm. 91, 92, 93. Three years in a row. And then three years in a row again in 96, 97, 98. Mm. Now, in 1991, nothing much happened. There was a bit of looting. A couple of teenagers got shot. 115 (laughs) people arrested. Basically, just another night in Chicago. Nothing interesting going on there. (laughs) No one died. So, it was a good night in Chicago. Nineteen ninety-two. There was severe rioting this time, but again, nobody died. Two hundred people were injured. Ninety-five police officers were injured. Sixty-one police cars were damaged, and three hundred and forty-seven stores were vandalized and looted. So pretty severe rioting, but again, no one died. Nineteen ninety-three. A little bit different. Shooting and looting begins immediately after the bull win. Shooting and Yeah, (laughs) I want that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Uh, 682 people were arrested. Uh, many stores were looted, but while the looting wasn't quite as severe as 1992, this people, this time five people died. Two of them were killed by stray bullets and (laughs) three others were killed in cold blood, seemingly in random acts of violence. So a bit of a break, a bit of a lull, 94, 95 Bulls don't win. But 96, they win again. Oh, no. It's their first championship after missing out on the previous two years. Oh, no. And the fans wasted absolutely no time in getting this right started. <laughs> the local government spent $3 million in preparation for riot defense in case the Bulls won. <laughs> and boy, did they need it. Oh, my God. Again, fans smashed windows and vandalized and looted stores. 650 people were arrested this time. And uh, only one person died. In a not-so-random act of violence, but still a senseless act of violence. So, there was this teenage kid wearing a Los Angeles Lakers jacket. Oh, no. Now, the Los Angeles Lakers were not the opposing team. That was the Seattle Supersonics. Oh, my God. But this guy was wearing the wrong jacket, so he got stomped to death. Literally stomped to death. Jesus Christ. Fucking animals. Yeah. All right, 1997, um, so the city got serious this time. They had 6,000 police officers and over 200 members of the National Guard stationed on the street. Oh, my God. They were ready. <laughs> now, the rioting wasn't as severe as previous years, but still, 
many stores were looted, and three people died. Fuck. So they had more hell. police and more people died. Well, not not the most of all time, but yeah. It's got to be pretty died. serious to have the National Guard deployed preemptively. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the bulls are so good that we have to bring in the National Guard. <laughs> like, the whole reason the National Guard exists is to react to events. Like, the- <laughs> Yeah. How do you feel- for the whole nation, not just for Chicago. <laughs> How do you feel as a shop owner seeing the bulls make the playoffs and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now they're expensive, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, now, as I said, they actually won the championship again in 1998. Yes. But this time- Michael Jordan and Dennis Rudman appeared in an anti-riding <laughs> PSA commercial. <laughs> that is so 90s. Which was played on Chicago television during the finals. And I guess it must have worked because I legitimately couldn't find any stories about riots after the victory in 1998. Hmm. So, <laughs> Dennis Rodman negotiated Dennis Rodman just, yeah, doing more good for the world. Stopping yeah. riots, stopping nukes. We don't deserve Dennis Rodman. He is- He's the hero we need, but he's not the one we deserve. That's right. Nah, I, I, I'm just joking with that. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. You got there, were, you got no, there, there, weren't, there weren't any riots to speak of in 1998, but the PSA was actually filmed in 1996, and they played it in the 1996 playoffs. <laughs> didn't work. Oh. 1997 playoffs. Didn't work. And then they played it in the 1998 playoffs as well. You bamboozled as you are, so. But Dennis Rodman says, "Like let's let's show them how we can celebrate with dignity." And on the on the screen, it comes up with a big block letters: "Celebrate with dignity." <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Rodman of all people. Uh, yeah, it's great. Fucking hell! Uh, and then I have one final Riot City to talk about, and this one a little less deadly, a little bit more uh, fun. So this one uh, is in Kansas. Now, Kansas, Kansans love their football and they love a good home state rivalry. Mm. In 1984, Kansas State University defeated the University of Kansas, two different universities, mm. 24-7 in a game of college football. Whoa. The student district in the winning team's town of Manhattan, Kansas, is called Aggieville. And that night, Aggieville burned. <laughs> Up to 8,000 people went out partying to celebrate the victory. And as the night progressed, the drunk fans became violent, smashing windows, knocking over street signs, overturning cars, you know, your typical riot stuff. (laughs) Ten people were injured, including six cops, five of whom were cornered and had rocks and bottles thrown at them when they tried to control the crowd. They couldn't control the crowd. These students ruled the town that night. They had a fucking riot. (laughs) They... (laughs) In fact, they had so much fun that two years later, when Kansas State were hosting the University of Kansas again, some fans wore short shirts that said Riotville and Riot 2. <laughs> 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 like Riot and then the Roman numeral 2. Oh, yes. Like Riot Part 2. Again, Kansas State won, and again, the district of Aggieville was destroyed. <laughs> Almost every single building in the whole district had its windows smashed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And a car was flipped over and burned. This time, there were no major injuries. Just good, harmless fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, the city government wasn't having quite as much fun as the students. So, the next time the teams played each other, the city of Manhattan, Kansas, actually set up barriers around the Aggieville district for the night and brought in police from all over the state of Kansas. 
They set the police up at entry points so they could keep the troublemakers out of Aggieville, and they had extra police inside to patrol the streets. So you're probably asking, did it work? Did all this police presence work? Well, Kansas State and the University of Kansas tied the game 17-17. And people usually don't riot over ties. It's not a good (laughs) feeling. So, it's hard to know what would have happened if Kansas State had won again. But, uh, you know, I like the spirit of these guys that they started wearing shirts about how they're going to riot again. (laughs) And then they rioted. (laughs) Oh, man. Just, you know, good old-fashioned fun. (laughs) Smashing every like a like every property had a, at least I'm guessing a single smash window, right? Yeah. If you're like a glass company like O'Brien Glass, <laughs> are you <laughs> just rubbing your hands when Kansas State and oh, University yeah. of Kansas oh, they come to yeah. town? You're like, oh <laughs> yes, yes. Oh. Do you think any, they, any city that's like? Do you right. think once they got to like a certain percentage of windows broken, they actually went around looking for like unbroken windows specifically so they could get them all? <laughs> They're excited. They want to get the rest of the windows. It was, yeah, it was just a, like a, catch them all. a team building exercise. Yeah, um, but you know, college football is pretty big over there, mm-hmm. and they, they, uh-huh. they love a, a good rivalry. And Brad, you asked before yeah. about the um, why do people do this? You asked. You asked. Imagine what would have happened if they lost. But I was reading an inter- interesting article from the Washington Post, and I'll quote this article. You guys tell me what you think about this. Because of the strong identification for ardent fans, the team becomes an extension of the fan, and that can have profound effects on people's psychology, Brad, and even <laughs> physiology. Trying to measure that effect, Hurt conducted a study in the 90s of college basketball fans. Fans who saw their team win believed they could do much better on seemingly unrelated tasks, such as solving anagrams or shooting darts. Those who saw their team lose thought they would do worse. That even applied to how attractive fans saw themselves to be. (laughs) When shown a picture of a good-looking member of the opposite sex and asked to rate their chances of scoring a date with them, fans whose team lost were much more pessimistic about their odds. So, the effect manifests itself physically as well. Fans' testosterone levels often increase after their team wins and decrease after they lose, wow. according to some studies. Ooh. So, people are getting all jacked up on their team yeah. winning. Testosterone running through their brain. That's they're right. It makes them more irrational and violent and stuff. Right. They're, they're, they think they're invincible. They think they're strong enough to flip cars. Mm. They think they can get away with doing anything they want to do. Go out and have a fucking riot. Interesting. Yeah, look, I, I, yeah. I guess- so that's that makes what, that's, sense. It's, it is interesting, though, mm. that they usually riot when they win, mm. not when they lose. I mean, Vancouver hasn't never won a cup, so imagine <laughs> what would happen if they actually won. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I think when they've I guess lost, it, they've yeah. rioted. But most of the time, the riots are when they win. Yeah. Like people get all jacked up on the the um, you know, the height of winning it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I always associate rioting with losing, like you know, having a tantrum. Um, yeah, but. No, it's I guess you're right. Yeah, most of the time you see them, yeah, it's like a celebratory ride. I never even, never even crossed my mind. Weird. Yeah, they yeah. get all excited and then yeah, and they testosterone running through their brain. By the way, if your idea of celebrating is flipping or burning other people's cars or stomping people to death for that matter, you're a fucking cunt. All right. <laughs> Let me Brad, just say that right now. I have a nice you're- car. If someone flipped and burned it, oh, 
<laughs> oh man. Oh, oh let's flip Brad's car. Insurance Morgs, scam. It's not a very big car. I reckon the two of us could flip it. It's like two two turns. Yeah. Yeah, we could probably do it. No. Yeah, I can do that. We'll watch our we'll watch our teams win first, and then we'll <laughs> flip it. Um, Brad, you remember a few years ago when uh, the Geelong Cats of the Australian Football League won mm-hmm. the grand final, and like everyone was in Geelong, fucking climbing light poles and shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were actually in town when that was happening. Um, yeah, I didn't smash anything though. Yeah, but like that could have very easily turned into a riot. Like the police had absolutely no control over that situation. If people hadn't started oh, yeah. smashing windows, they would have gone south very quickly. Yeah, I look, I could see how they how it would. I mean, but and yeah, I think not, that's like, how these riots start. Yeah, no one, no one broke anything though. So. No, no one did, but yeah. they easily could have. Like it would have taken one person to smash a window, and it would have started. I reckon. Yeah, I, you know what? I think you're probably right. If someone had taken yeah. like one of the shop front windows and smashed it. Yeah, I think it would have been enough. Um, yeah, absolutely. But there were people hopping on cars, but yeah. they were driving cars. Like, people were driving the cars. I just specifically remember. <laughs> like, people were, like, driving down the main street, and they'd, like, people would run out in front of them, then hop on their car, and the people would be like, yeah, let's just keep going then. Yeah, but and, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Like, that, that situation was probably right on the borderline of turning into a riot. Yeah, damn, I could have been in a riot, guys. Yeah, you should have smashed the first <laughs> you window. You could have started a riot, man. <laughs> no, no, no. I was way too drunk. There's a video on on the Geelong Advertisers YouTube where you can see me, and I am I can't even look straight. I am so fucking <laughs> hammered. I don't remember even being there, to be honest, but, yeah. Yeah, I was there. But, yeah, that's that's definitely how it starts, though. Like, there's a dense crowd, mm-hmm. and one person does something stupid, and the police are nowhere to be seen, and then everyone's like, I could do that, too. Yeah. yeah. Why don't I do that? There just needs to be a couple of dickheads dispersed yep. through there, and then one person makes the first move, and then the other couple of dickheads seize on it. It's like yep. if one person Absolutely. is a dickhead, and there's not enough dickheads around, the others won't be emboldened enough, and they'll be like, what the fuck <laughs> are you doing? But you get, like, three or four just in that vicinity, and you're like, yeah, it's, it's off. It's like, it's just- it's going to kick. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, people like Brad are smashing windows and freaking cars as well. <laughs> the good boys. Yeah. I will never <laughs> touch someone else's car in my life because I just know that the, the pain that would bring me. <laughs> Brad's like, smash all the storefronts you yeah. want. <laughs> you know, flip over all the street signs, but don't touch someone's car. Yeah. It's an important relationship between a man and his car. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, all right. So it's time for Morgan's movie review. Morgan. Morgan. Morgan's movie review. All right. Uh, Hot Rod, 2007. <laughs> hey, nice. It stars Andy Samberg as a wannabe stuntman, Rod Kimball, who unfortunately is not very good at stunts. Mm. Samberg is rocking his glorious afro in the movie, <laughs> indicating that he was still in the early days of his career before he cut his hair and became a hunk. <laughs> This is actually Sandberg's big screen debut. He and his comedy troupe Lonely Island had become very popular in the last 12 months and everyone wanted a piece of Afroed Andy. He does a great job in this movie and he's helped along by a star-studded cast in terms of comedy actors. You've got Danny McBride, Will Arnett, Chris Parnell and Bill Hader. His love interest is the ever-spicy Isla Fisher, who is looking spicier than ever as the girl next door love interest of Rod Kimball. Mm -hmm. The story follows Rod's attempt to raise $50,000 for life-saving surgery for his stepfather so he can beat him up in a fair fight and finally earn his respect. (laughs) (laughs) 
quote, I'm going to, I'm going to get you better and then I'm going to beat you to death. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an absolutely ridiculous motivation for the main character. But then again, the best moments in this film are the ridiculous moments. I'm talking about the almost shot for shot remake of Kevin Bacon's Footloose Rage Dance (laughs) and extended fall down a mountainside that no human could possibly survive (laughs) and a riot that breaks out with no warning to interrupt a swelling musical number. The post riot debriefing is delightfully absurd as the characters are calmly discussing the preceding events, very similar to the post fight scene in Anchorman. Now, Hot Rod is not a movie for the ages. It is a fine movie, but ultimately unremarkable. It is funny, but not hilarious. But not every movie has to be a classic. Some comedies can get by with just being a very reasonable 7 out of 10. Mm, 7 out of 10? I quite that, enjoyed it. That's lower than I expected that you would give it. Because, no, I'd, uh, I'd pay that. I personally it's, find it hilarious. It's, but- it's good, but it's like not something you go back and rewatch over and over again. Mm, speak for yourself. Yeah, so. it um, it hits okay. a, it hits a few times, but it misses a lot. Yeah, but you know there are some really good jokes that tickled me, but most of it, it was just like it was good, but not great. Right. This will probably apply to you or anyone who's listening who's seen the movie recently. But you know this, I just recently learned like a little bit of trivia about it. You know, with the scene where he's supposed to jump the caravan and he hits the ramp. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ramp was supposed to drop earlier, and he was supposed to hit the stuntman was supposed to hit the caravan not clear it and hit that back ramp. And that stuntman <laughs> actually broke his leg like in like six oh, places. Shit. And if you watch oh. it slow down, you can see his leg bend when he hits the ground. Like it's just all floppy. Oh, yeah. God. So, yeah, fun fact there. He was supposed to hit the top of the caravan and drop down. But instead the breakaway ramp that he goes up, yeah, it just didn't drop quick enough. So he, he went too high, yeah. missed the caravan, hit the backside ramp. Um, yeah, fun facts. Yes. Learned that from the corridor crew, Lachlan. There you go. Mm. I realized that a lot of mm, great videos. A lot of movies that I like from around that time starred Danny McBride, Ugh. and I think the first time I saw them, I didn't know who he was, mm. and then re- like since then, I've watched Eastbound and Down Ugh. and love Danny McBride, and then now I go back and watch him, and I'm like, oh shit, it's Danny McBride. Yeah, hilarious. yeah. Danny McBride is so, fucking great actor. It's always a pleasant surprise when you see him in an old movie. Mm. Hi, my name is Lachlan, and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> Good that's, that's the best say. That's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good. <laughs> All right, Brad, do you want to uh, take us out with Brad's parody? Yeah, let's do it. Brad's power ranking. So this week. Boys, top five essential ride gear. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, this, so look, I, is this on behalf of the rioters or on behalf of the riot police? Look, I'm saying that this is the top five essential gear you would like to have if you were in a riot, whether you're rioting or defending people, like, okay. def- like defusing okay. a riot. Like, I wouldn't want to – I can't. I don't understand people who run into a riot and they're just like, in flip-flops and shorts, like, you want to fucking die? Because that's how you end up dead. <laughs> Maybe they do. Yeah. That's how you take, like, a rubber bullet to the fucking dome or something and it kills you accidentally. Like, no, no, I want none of that. Um, so, anyway. So, good sturdy shoes, number five. <laughs> <laughs> well, number five is the MSA Millennium Seaburn Gas Mask. <laughs> All right. 
So that, specific. For the specific one. Are they sponsoring the episode, Brad? Why did you mention them specifically? They can be. Reach out to us, MSA. I, I did my research. All right. It retails for 640 US dollars. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm but not getting into any riots. That's because it's- if I, I wouldn't buy it, but if I was in a riot, it would probably be the first thing I'd looted. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Um, and that's because it's rated for tear gas as well as chemical, biological, radioactive, and nuclear incidents. Uh, what so kind it's basically of fucking riot police are we going up against? That is Jesus the Christ. creme de la creme of gas masks. Uh, can, now I just, all can I just hold a cloth over my mouth or something? If you want to be a pleb, but I'm getting the MSA <laughs> Millennium Seaburn gas mask. Um, <laughs> these are all available to residents in the US, by the way. So hmm. oh, I wish I lived there. Um, so number four is the ESS Profile Turbofan Goggles. All right. These okay. retail for $194.99 and they have 2.8 millimeter polycarbonate lenses, which oh. can stop a 22 caliber bullet. Jesus. And they also have AA battery, uh, AA battery powered fan op- in them that operates at 13,000 RPM to dehumidify the glasses so they'll never fog up. Oh, they don't get fogged mm-hmm. up. That's, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Not bad, eh? Very good. All right. Number three is the Point Blank Aspis X Level 3 Ballistic Shield. (laughs) (laughs) And this uh, retails for a paltry 8,862. Holy shit. No wonder Antifa use fucking garbage can lids. (laughs) You get this is bang for your buck, though, because it's rated to stop a 7.62 millimeter full metal jacket bullet. Jesus Christ. That is a strong fucking shit. Yeah, and it comes with a 12,000 lumen light. With strobe mode on the front oh, of it, nice. so you can blind people, and nice. a three by nine inch reinforced viewpoint and two mounted gun points, so that you can sit the rifle Holy on the shit. thing and use it like as you're holding the shield. Oh, That's some fucking is- Counter Strike shit! Mwah, mwah. Oh my god, it makes Counter Strike look like fucking shit. It's amazing. <laughs> um, next one is the HWI uh, Elite Defender Full Riot Suit Set, and that's actually only. <laughs> 498.40, so pretty efficient. Um, yeah. It's just a polycarbonate body armor that goes in. It's not rated for bullets, but um, it's light and it's easy to maneuver in. So Yeah, you'd rather yeah. have that than just a T-shirt if you're taking a bullet, though. Yeah, to be true. It's, it's, um, also, plate is is heavy. This is not heavy. Yeah. It's, the whole suit is very maneuverable, and it's very good against blunt force yeah. attacks. Keep your agility. Exactly. You can do, like, combat rolls and shit, whereas you can't do that <laughs> while playing a, <laughs> where you're a plate carrier. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, number one on the list is the United Shield Spec Ops Delta Gen 2 helmet, retailing for eight ninety five fifty nine, and that is rated to stop a forty four Magnum or a three fifty seven Sig Fuck full metal jacket. May yes, forty four. Wow. Yes. Wow. And it looks baller as fuck. And if you combine it with the gas mask, oh my god, my dick would be hard. <laughs> now, Brad, I noticed that all of these in your power rankings are defensive objects. Yes. Do you have any offensive rankings? Well, no, look, I didn't because I would take just about baseball bat any, for smashing windows. Any weapon in a riot, like, you know, any any holds the goal. Um, <laughs> like, that's all interchangeable. So you just need I a just big stick, the, like a uh, based gear. stick man. Yeah, you could just use a stick for all you need. Your broom handle. Fuck. I don't know. But. If I was defending, I'd probably want a firearm. If I was out riding, I guess I wouldn't want to really kill anyone. I just want to beat some people, so maybe a stick. 
Yeah. Um, anyway. No, you need, you need a stick for smashing windows. You need good shoes so you can run away from the yeah. cops. You need, like, a bandana so you can cover your face so you they need, know who you are. You need um, big pockets to carry a lot of rocks and a good belt <laughs> to keep your pants up from all the pockets. Uh, Ooh, from all your pockets being weighed Molotov, down. You guys sound like Molotov you're talking cocktail. from experience here. But. I'm just saying. Yeah, it just sounds fun. Anyway. I totaled the, the, your personal cost if you were to run this setup and it is 11,091.48 US dollars. Oh or man. 16,419 AU dollars. You can't loot that much stuff though. Like you're not going to get you, you're mm. not going to make your money back in stuff that no. you've looted. But you're also not going to end up stomped to death either. So. Well, that's true. That's true. Did you, fun fact with you say converting it to Australian dollars, by the way. Yeah. Do you know that civilians are not allowed to own body armor in this country? I know. What a joke. It's classified, it's classified as a restricted weapon. Yeah. Body armor. So not only are we not allowed to have guns, we can't shoot people, but we're not allowed to protect ourselves from being shot either. Yeah. How is it a weapon? Yeah. A weapon it's is a offensive. It's How a is it a weapon? Restricted weapon or a restricted article or some shit. It, it, it falls under the same classification as fucking handguns and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't even have pepper spray. We live in a nanny state. Ridiculous. We do. We do. That's just the just the way it is, boys. I think we should riot. Anyway, if you wanna if you wanna see Brad go to America and get himself involved in a riot, just uh, <laughs> we'll set up an Amazon wish list yeah. and you can buy those objects for him. Yeah. And then Brad'll just creep into the riot behind a shield with a gas mask and a helmet on. Oh mate, I could strobe the fu- I could give someone like some serious like epileptic fits with Epilepsy, that thing. yeah. It's like a twelve hundred lumen light with fucking strobe mode. Like it's literally designed to disorient people. Um, yeah. I reckon it <laughs> fucking would. I would have so much fun with that riot shield, like just waiting outside <laughs> of like people's door, just bleh, you know. <laughs> just fuck hit them with the strobe when they come out yeah. for work in the morning. Oh, I would be such a cunt. Like I can't even lie. I'd have way too much fun with it, and it's not even heavy. It's only seventeen pounds. <laughs> Sounds like you'd fit in well with the LAPD. Really. <laughs> I didn't say I beat anyone. I just if you're epileptic, you're probably in trouble. But uh, it beat whites and blacks. It's yeah, yeah he's exactly. not racist. <laughs> I hate everyone. Equally. Equal opportunity abuser. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it, and please continue to listen to these episodes uh this is number 26 which is uh more than double more than triple what we've done in previous seasons i believe i think we did please correct me please correct me on that if i am wrong but uh we're getting up there (laughs) we're getting up there uh you prematurely popped on that one there mate that's right pumping them out uh one every sunday so thank you everyone for listening to us so far everyone who stuck with us we appreciate it new listeners we appreciate you too but uh, you got some work to put in. Go back and uh, you know, <laughs> listen to our old episodes. You got to catch up. There's, there's inside jokes. Go back going and on listen here. to heists. Yeah, you got to earn right. it. That's right. But no, seriously, thank you for listening. Uh, we do appreciate you listening. And if you appreciate us, you can head over to PayPal.me/slash Brad is bad person. You can buy us a beer, uh, throw a few dollars our way. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can head over to our iTunes page and rate and review us, which really helps us out. Uh, you can check out bradisbadperson.com. You'll find all of our old episodes there. You'll also find everywhere you can subscribe to us. Links to all of our social media where you can, uh, like us, follow us, uh, fucking, I don't know what you do. All Social that shit. currency, we get it. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, well, you hey, get didn't updates. they get rid of the hearts on Instagram? It's topical. Did they? I don't know how they use Instagram. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, how am I supposed to be? Yeah, it. How am I supposed to be validated now? Oh yeah, all those mm. uh, all those Instagram fitness models influencers. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna go downhill from there. Uh, but yeah, jump on there and you'll you'll get updates with what's going on between episodes and all that sort of thing. Uh, and share these episodes with your friends as well. <laughs> <laughs>